Um, Remember that time where you saw Marissa Tomei on the street? Oh, yeah, and she was wearing leather. You and leather? Is this the thing I didn't know about? Leather is hot. Interesting. Women in leather? Hot. You were flirting with a woman, oh, in rubber. When I get older, losing my head, many years from now, will you still be sending me a valentine? Birthday greetings, bottle of wine. If I'd been out till quarter to three, would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. And today we are lounging on a couch. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's really, it's bringing in the feel of this whole episode. Yeah. Well, and also the lights are off. Yeah. And I, I brought a house coat with yeah. me. I actually really like recording on this couch. Like, I feel like we're just like... Me too. It's like our, a talk show. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, that's it. <laughs> Everybody out there, we want to start a talk show. Put us on Logo. Yeah. Logo executives, if you're listening, we give us a talk show. <laughs> it will bring Logo back. Anyway, today we'll be talking about older gays. Yeah. Last week we talked about kids. Mm-hmm. And this week we're talking about the we're opposite. Just, yeah, we're just doing a full 180. Because there's a lot of stories about like ages 17 to like 35. Yeah, that's a good, yeah. But then there's really nothing above 35. Yeah, the only time that you get anything above 35 is when like you've watched the characters yeah. grow from 17 to 35 and then it's like, and then 20 years in the future yeah. this is what they did. <laughs> but you rarely see anything that starts after 40. Yeah. So today our specific focus is going to be queer people over the age of 50. Hello to all the new listeners who came over from my newfound celebrity yeah. <laughs> If you are here because you followed me on Twitter because of one of my viral threads from recently, um, it's my security detail. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. We are not going to be talking about Tessa Thompson and Janelle Monae. Or Leah Michelle. Or Mama Mia. Today. <laughs> today. We will probably talk about all those things in the future, but we're not going to talk about it today. So thank you to all my new fans. Tessa Thompson, DM me. When we were starting to look at older gay men and older lesbians and the entertainment media that kind of follows the two of them and their social kind of stigma, mm-hmm. we realized that older gay men kind of typically fall into this daddy stereotype, but then older lesbians... Yeah, older lesbians, there is sort of like, there is a thing about age gaps between lesbian couples like Holland fucking Taylor and Sarah Paulson, but it's more common in real life. Mm-hmm. than it is in the media, I think, to mm-hmm. see an older lesbian. Well, if someone was like, stereotype an older lesbian, I would think of someone that is like, sweet, protective, kind of just like, calm. An art professor at a college, mm-hmm. in like, flowing pants. Yeah. If I were to stereotype an older gay man, I would think of someone that's like, in their second youth, and like, dating someone younger, and energetic, and like, daddy. Yeah, like a, like a leather daddy. <laughs> With a harness. Oh my god. And a leash. I don't care to think about men, but... (laughs) (laughs) But when I do, they're in leather. My idea of an older lesbian is actually Cherry Jones in Transparent. Oh, totally, In season two when she's dating Gabby Hoffman's character. Absolutely. But then the other great thing about Transparent, which is on Amazon, if you haven't seen it, do it. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? (laughs) Honestly, it's 
kind of the only time that I can think of where I've seen an older trans person oh, absolutely. or people on screen. I remember when it first started, everyone was so excited because it was about an older trans person, which you mm-hmm. never see. Yeah. You never see a trans person over 35. I remember everyone being so excited about the prospect of an older trans person in the media mm-hmm. and simultaneously being like, why is the role being played by a cis man mm-hmm. instead of by an actual older trans woman? Genji Cohen actually, Genji Cohan? I don't know. I don't know. Genji. Genji. <laughs> Our girl Jenj, Jenji said that the reason was because she couldn't find an actress who was at that age and was transitioning. Mm-hmm. As opposed to transitioned oh, earlier in life. I see, I see. Which I do understand totally. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with because when it is the show, a specific yeah, character. and when the show starts, Mora is at the very beginning of her transition. Yeah, I personally am of the belief that once they got to seasons where Mora was like had transitioned, they should have just swapped Jeffrey Tambor out for a trans woman. Which wouldn't be out of the creativity of the show. Totally. It absolutely wouldn't. Even Jeffrey was like, when he accepted the award, like not this Emmy season, but the Emmy season before, I hope to be the last... The last cis man accepting an award. Yeah, to play it for (laughs) for, uh, (laughs) for playing a trans woman. There is an actress on Transparent who is a quote-unquote older trans actress. Alexandra Billings, if you're listening, please do not think that we mean that you're like an old lady. I just mean (laughs) that she's in her 50s and she is playing a trans character in her 50s, which is incredibly exciting. And there was some talk at the time of like, why was Alexandra Billings not offered the role of Mora? And it's again, because like Alexandra Billings transitioned 10, 15 years ago. And so it wouldn't make sense for the character of Mora at the beginning Mm -hmm. to be like an openly trans woman. Right. Well, and Alex Billings just in this most recent season made history as the first trans performer ever to go full frontal. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible, especially because it was a trans woman in her 50s doing that. Mm-hmm. And not like, you know, Hari Neff, <laughs> who goes full front in my bedroom every night. Just kidding. Hari, if you're listening, DM me. Um. <laughs> you know, sweetie, this is a really big journey that we're on. And you've just started on it. So you've got to learn to let go of everything anybody thinks of you. A really, really good friend of mine said this to me when I first transitioned. She said, you know, in five years, you're going to look up and not one of your family members is still going to be there. Not one. Was your friend right? Yep. That's so sad. So Transparent wasn't the only show about older trans people on TV. There's also the hit TV show, I Am Kate, that was on E? Is that right? I think so. Um, I stayed as far as humanly possible away from that show, so... I watched the whole first season. There were really, really high highs, and then there were lots of uh, of lows. <laughs> I did watch some of the high highs. What I did watch was the road trip. I thought the like okay. road trip with the trans gals was super mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, there was an episode where Caitlin visits the family of someone of a like young teenager who was murdered in their school for being trans, and it was like a really nice episode. And Caitlin like went to this service with a lot of the. Kids 
kids that were friends with the family. And it was nice. There was also an episode where Caitlin meets with like a community trans group and the trans group calls her out. Oh, (laughs) even cuter. Yeah. And it was really nice. And Caitlin's basically like, you're right. Like I, I actually don't super know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm here to like get this feedback from you guys. What didn't work is Caitlin that never changed. (laughs) (laughs) But it was nice to like see that on TV. That is nice. Yeah. I have never been someone to watch the Kardashian shows. I am. And the show started after the article had come out. Yeah. In Vanity Fair, I think. Yes. And so the Kardashian family was like in a fight Mm -hmm. with Caitlyn through most of the first season. And at the end of every episode, they were like, next week, we're bringing in Chris and we're sitting Caitlyn and Chris down and we're going to do it. And then it never came and it they waited until the very last episode. It was the finale, episode. right? Like, yeah. the second to last episode, Caitlin, like, walked in the door and the credits rolled. Oh, I, I remember like, this. because Are you kidding me? I did watch that one because I thought that was fantastic filmmaking. That Caitlin, like, opened the door and Chris was like, hey, I'm here. And it was like, Zoom credits. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing nothing about their family except for what I learned on American Crime Story. Remember I told uh, you who the hot ones were? That was during American Crime Story. Yeah. I was like, which one's who? <laughs> What's yeah. happening? And I told you which ones we like, which ones we don't like. Yeah. The hot ones, yeah. They played it up to be this big scene where Chris is like, I'm transphobic and like, I don't like this. You're my husband, blah, blah, blah. But it ended up being Chris just being like, no, like I fully support you. And like, we've talked about this a lot and this makes a lot of sense. Just like, don't bitch about me to Vanity Fair. (laughs) And Caitlin was like, you hate me because I like, I look different and I wore your dresses and And blah, blah, blah. And Chris was like, no, (laughs) you actually look great. They had this discussion and Caitlin was like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) And it ended on like a relatively happy note. And then it got canceled. Well, there was a second season that was like fine. Yeah, but that's the second season was around when Caitlyn started showing support for Donald Trump. Yeah. So speaking of that, for our listeners who maybe aren't as active in the queer community, who don't know why Caitlyn Jenner is hashtag problematic, mm-hmm. because yeah. I know a lot of people who are straight and cis and sort of not in the like queer community online who are like Caitlyn Jenner inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people sort of write her off as like only one thing, which is like a role model for being trans, which like she's not. Yeah, she's trans, but she also is incredibly conservative, supportive to Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay, so Caitlyn didn't do anything but come out and totally I mean was in the media and like that is a big deal and something that I will maybe never go through like be having my face plastered everywhere as I'm saying this I'm like imagining <laughs> me on the cover of well, Vanity Fair. Well when we get our talk show. Right. But I will never have the experience of coming out to the world right. for the yeah. first time. So like yes fully give Caitlyn every props for be- for like having the strength to do that but besides that Caitlyn has done nothing and we have given her a platform and a spotlight and everything from the LGBT community. And then Caitlyn flipped it and was like, great, now that I have this platform, I actually have some thoughts. Yeah, she was like, thank you so much. Like, I love the queer community. Also, surprise, I also love Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah. 
even on the show, Caitlin had a lot of stances where the trans people that she was surrounding herself with were like, yeah, 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 that's a big deal. But like, we have other stuff going on. Yeah. Where Caitlin like made a huge deal about being able to change her name, like legally on papers and IDs and things like that. And her friends were like, yeah, this is definitely something to celebrate. And like, you're right. It is getting pretty difficult to do when it should be easier. But like, we have so many other things worth talking about that you should be using your show for. Yeah. And that's my problem with Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) I just want to get to a place where it's comfortable for us to to share celebrations together. That's great. Let's move on. It was good to talk because I got her side of the story. Um, I don't really agree with everything she said, but communication is always good. Maybe it'll be a little different in the future now. I hope it is because I want to keep my relationship with all my kids, and that's the most important thing. Oh my God, you want to take a selfie? Speaking of great ideas poorly executed, <laughs> am I wrong? My head hurts. Is Caitlyn Jenner not a great idea poorly executed? Yeah. You know what else is? What? Is Grace and Frankie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Grace and Frankie's plotline in Grace and Frankie. Fabulous. On Netflix, three seasons oh. total, four seasons total. Fourth season coming up. Which will be the final season. Don't. Potentially. You dare <laughs> bring that up to me. Grace and Frankie is about these two couples, mm-hmm. Sam Waterston and Lily Tomlin, and then Jane Fonda and a white guy. Martin Sheen. <laughs> I was going to say John Voight, but all old no, white guys look the same. Yeah. The two couples are close. They kind of have been doing things together for years and years and years. And then come the first episode, basically what happens is Martin Sheen and Sam Waterston come out to both of their wives and then are like, P.S. We're also dating. And they leave their wives. And they have been dating for like years. 25 years. Yeah. The two women, through a process of, like, shenanigans, end up living in a beach house together and go through, like, trying to start their lives over. They start a company together, much like we are doing. We are just missing the beach house. And the vibrators. Um, It's also about, which I think is also terrible, their children. Yeah. And how their children are reacting to now having a gay parent and things like that. Yeah. You and I both watch Grace and Frankie and love Mm -hmm. it. However, literally never have I ever said these words before. We skip over the gay plot lines. It's usually exactly the opposite. I skip over everything but I watch the gays. Mm -hmm. For Grace and Frankie, if a scene starts with the gays, I'm like, next, and I just like skip over it. The only gay scenes that I watched this season was anything that Kevin Chamberlain was in when they were doing 1776. (laughs) I did watch the 1776 scenes because I just think community theater is so fun. Yeah, Um, and especially (laughs) these like two veteran actors doing community theater. Yeah, doing like bad acting. Nothing in the world is funnier than bad acting, in my opinion. Especially great actors doing really good yeah. bad acting. Deliberate bad acting is the funniest thing in the world. Ugh. If you are listening to this and you have recommendations of like really hilarious bad acting, please send it my way because I love it. I can watch it for hours. When Grace and Frankie first started, I was so excited because obviously I love Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and the concept of Grace and Frankie is just so up my alley. I think people wrote it off because the gay plot lines are just bad. Terrible. I think Grace and Frankie would have been a better Netflix original movie that's like two and a half hours long. Yeah, totally. I agree. You know, keep the two storylines equally split, cut out the children drama. Or it could have been a a TV show that was just Jane and Lily because their plot lines are so clever and so funny and obviously they're like two of the best actresses in the world. The older gay plot line would have been better if its screen time was 30 minutes. I also think the older gay plot line would have been better if it 
if the two actors doing the older gay plot line knew how to play gay. Do you know what I mean? Or knew how to act. Well, I mean, they do know how to act. I know, but they're so uncomfortable to watch for some reason. I think it's And they have zero chemistry. They have zero chemistry. And they also, I think it's easier for young straight people to play queer people because it's like more part of society Mm -hmm. now. But I think Martin Sheen and Sam Watterson have a hard time with it because they're both over 50, Mm -hmm. maybe over 60. I don't know. White men always look over 80 to me. (laughs) And I think they're working off of stereotypes that were embedded when they were young. Yeah, you can definitely see that with Martin Sheen. Sam Watterson has it a little bit easier because his character is like creative and kind of like wacky. And that's kind of what his fallback is. But John Voight's character has like really flamboyant lines every once in a while. And you hear him say it and you're just like, that feels like sandpaper. Yeah, totally. This season of One More Thing has been mainly funded by our existing Patreon subscribers. Yeah. You can find out a whole bunch of stuff about Patreon at patreon.com slash one more thing. But basically once a month, all of our friends with benefits over at Patreon are set up to give us a monthly donation that helps us give you as much content as possible. And in return, they get a whole bunch of exclusive Bonus content. content. Video episodes extra audio episodes, sometimes even extended episodes of your usual content. And in the month of December, our Patreon subscribers at any level will get an extra special One More Thing holiday treat. So if you want to know what that is, you got to sign up. (laughs) Go to patreon.com slash one more thing. And now back back to your regularly scheduled content. And now back to your regular... (laughs) (laughs) Back to the episode. <laughs> Something that we can't ignore about Grace and Frankie is that it does star queer icon Lily Tomlin. Yeah, queer legend. <laughs> oh my God, she's 78? Yeah, she's old. She looks great. She's a queer activist and she was also in a movie that we loved called Grandma. Yeah, one of uh, one of my favorite queer movies and definitely my favorite movie about a queer person over 50. It was really good. Which to be clear, there aren't a lot. <laughs> <laughs> also in that movie, Judy Greer Ugh. was so good. Lily and Tomlin and Judy Greer as a couple, first of all, ideal. I love it. <laughs> Can't get enough. If you haven't seen Grandma, please turn this episode off and go watch it right now. At the beginning of it, Lily Tomlin breaks up with Judy Greer and like doesn't really explain why. And then simultaneously, Lily Tomlin's granddaughter needs an abortion. And so it's sort of about Lily Tomlin dealing with that and simultaneously dealing with the end of her relationship with Judy Greer. And you find out that Lily Tomlin's partner of like 40 years recently passed away, who, by the way, was named Violet. Violet? You're turning Violet. Violet? Close. That's the name of Lily Tomlin's character, 9 to 5. I know it was delivery. You can't fool me. Marsha Gay Harden plays Lily Tomlin's daughter. daughter, right? Yeah, which is also a great performance. Yeah. Grandma was actually the first time Lily Tomlin was ever allowed, or not allowed, the first time Lily Tomlin ever played a lesbian. She was 75 when she played that role. And she came out in her 30s. I think she's in a very interesting position because she is, and has been for so long, fighting for LGBTQ plus rights. And she's just an incredible activist. She's been openly gay for almost her entire career, even when she wasn't allowed to talk about it. And people would like sort of not let her on talk shows to talk about it about it, but a lot of people don't know that she's gay. I didn't. Well, as proof of that, I have here a screenshot of a Snapchat you sent me on April 6th that says, when you find out Lily Tomlin is a lesbian and is married. (laughs) Of this year? 
Yes. It's one of my favorite Snapchats of all time. I mean, you know, I there's a I found out that Lily Tomlin was a lesbian where I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of queer celebrities where you're like, oh, Ellen Page is a lesbian, everyone knows. Right. You know, but Lily Tomlin is she is as vocal about it as she could be, short of, you know, wearing a rainbow flag as a bonnet all the time. Huh? But she mm-hmm. which by the way, Lily, if you're listening, DM me and also try a rainbow flag bonnet. But people still sort of put that second to her career in mm-hmm. a way that I think is very similar to Ian McKellen. Yes, he is a queer icon, but no one really knows that he's gay. I didn't know he was gay. Yeah, I feel like if you went to a Lord of the Rings conference or like convention, <laughs> whoa, you could walk in and be like, hey guys, you know, he's gay, right? And everyone would be like, Ugh. okay, I have so <laughs> many questions about that scenario. So I'm just going to let it go by without, um, because we could do an entire episode on the questions <laughs> I have about that scenario. First time that I went to Pride or the Pride March in New York City, which was the year that gay marriage was legalized across the US, the country we live in. He was the Grand Marshal. And when they stopped, like when they paused the parade, as they typically do, he was like in his car and he got out and was walking the sides of each sidewalk where the crowd was Mm -hmm. and shaking people's hands. So I like put my arm out and he shook my hand and I started crying. And my friends were like, why are you crying? And I was like, that's Ian McKellen. He's like one of the greatest actors of our time, gay, and is like still working. Well, I mean, I am actually realizing in the moment, I don't think I've ever seen Ian McKellen in anything. What? That has to be a lie. Or maybe it's not a lie. Maybe you just don't realize. You've never seen Lord of the Rings? No. What would I like about Lord of the Rings? Um, let's see. Well, he was in Beauty and the Beast as Cogsworth. Oh, right. Okay. Um, that, you know, doesn't really count. Okay, so you wouldn't have seen Wolverine. No. You haven't seen the X-Men's. I have seen the X-Men's. Oh, you the, ori- the X-Men? The original ones or the new ones? He plays Magneto, the evil... Oh my god, of course. Yeah, I love X-Men. Yeah. He's done a lot of Shakespeare movies. Six Degrees of Separation, the movie. Who is he in that? Jeffrey. Whoa. Oh, he um, was in in the band like, played on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've seen that. And he's like gay. When I was researching Ian McKellen, I found out that in 1988, he co-founded Stonewall UK, which lobbies for legal and social equality and fundraised for the group and then did a whole bunch of stuff for like AIDS benefit. Whoa. Like research. He's totally like an undercover activist. He has a whole activism website. Really? Yeah. It's cool. It's a website that's divided where it's like, here's who I am as like a gay actor and here's who I am as a gay activist. But it's not about his work. Like it's not about his movie. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing on his website that's like, I was an X-Men. It's more like, <laughs> this is how gay I was during Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and it's, it's a Is cool there website. a scale? Gay people were not allowed to congregate together, not allowed to, to dance together. It was illegal until uh, 1967. Right, yeah. which is extraordinary, and in our lifetime. <clears throat> to, to I, 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 I was making love, I mean, I, until I was about 30 with my, my living uh, boyfriend, and we were breaking the law every time we had sex. Mm. Breaking the law, we could be arrested. I had friends who were put in prison for it. Mm. You couldn't serve in the military. Uh, you couldn't teach, you would be sacked automatically if anyone knew you were gay. And so, yes, things, all the bad laws have gone, and... Uh, but there's a long way to go uh, throughout the world, and I would say a long way to go in this country. But Speaking of coming out, I did watch Beginners today. You're like, I did come out, and I was like, This I is know. me. I, I am coming out right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> At wow. the solid age 
25. No, but I watched Beginners today, which is a movie that Jay has told me to watch since, I don't know, maybe episode one of season one. Lit- yeah, literally episode one. So basically the movie starts with Christopher Plummer dying and his son, Ewan McGregor, is sort of like reliving the final years of his father's life, which were Christopher Plummer coming out and beginning relationships with men. And Ewan McGregor simultaneously to reliving that is starting a relationship with Melanie Laurent and they have a fabulous dog. Mm-hmm. One of the best movie dogs, and I would say. And then he's also reliving his past with his mom. Kind of, yeah. Um, at the same time. Yeah. You hated it. I did. I loved how it was filmed and the whole like, this is the sun. Uh-huh. This is what happiness is like in 1955. Just general like look and feel of the movie and I liked the way that it was directed. To my defense, it just wasn't about what I thought that it was going to be about. I was prepared for a movie that was about Christopher Plummer coming out. Gotcha. And like all the scenes where they sat down and he was like, we're going to watch a documentary about Harvey Milk. And then it, instead of showing me like him kind of like learning about Harvey Milk for the first time and like making all these gay friends, it showed me like Ewan McGregor being sad in a bed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not the movie I want to watch. I want to watch Christopher Plummer's movie. And then even like when it cut to him and his mom when he was younger, I was like, this is very much not the movie I want to be watching. And I didn't care about his relationship with the French girl. So I just like, I was out 10 minutes in when I realized it wasn't the movie I wanted it to be. Well, so it sounds like the movie you were kind of looking for was Boulevard with Robin Williams, which is another movie about an older, I mean, older. Mm -hmm. He's much younger than Christopher Plummer, but a man who comes out later in life. I have weird feelings about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just sort of like rolling my eyes and bored Mm -hmm. with like, oh, like, of course the gay hustler like ODs, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, of course he like starts sleeping with a hustler and then he like doesn't go to the party because like the, it was just sort of, it felt very predictable to me. Yeah. I think it's better for what we're talking about than beginners because it does center the queer plot line as like the focus of the film. Yeah. Robin Williams really is like one of the greatest actors mm-hmm. of our time. Yeah, he really is amazing. And it really made me miss him. I think I would have enjoyed it more in a movie theater. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a dramatic performance. I liked it more than Beginners in that it played more with the difficulties of mentally starting over. Yeah. When you come out late in life, uh-huh. which is nothing that I can relate to at all. But it was interesting seeing that portrayed on screen. They never come out and say Robin Williams is gay until about three fourths of the way through I, the yeah, movie. Yeah, I was gonna say half, but three and even when right. he picks up the hustler for the first time, you're like, is this like a new thing for you? Yeah, what's going on? And then you slowly realize that this has been like there the whole time. And it's also like at first with the hustler, I felt at least like it was more of like an emotional thing. It wasn't until the monologue that he does at his father's deathbed, mm-hmm. I want to say, where he's like, I have known that I was gay since I was 12 and am now going to like let myself live the life that I thought that I was promised. Yeah. In that sense, I think that that was the better movie. Cinematically, I think Beginners was was yeah. more interesting to watch. I'm talk about the time we went to the beach. Summer 1965, I think it was. We checked into this little motel. Twelve years old. You, me, and Mom. If you had any idea what a journey that was. It still sticks with me to this day. Ridiculous. Something happened that summer, Dad. At first, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't want to. I knew. I knew that 
brain in the world couldn't change the fact that I was gay. I didn't do anything about it. I didn't tell you, mom, or anyone. It was my secret. And suddenly, I'm 60 years old. It's like I'm still there, like nothing happened. Like I'm still waiting for something I felt was promised to me that day. Something that never came. And I'm angry about it. Still sitting on that beach, and I'm still 12 years old, and nothing's changed. I'm still sorry about it. I mean, they both fall into this genre of sort of like dads coming out. Yeah. Which it's forked a little bit. Like there's the sort of very heavy, dramatic, you know, very like serious movie, like Beginners yeah. and Boulevard. And then there's like the punchline, like the wacky gay dad, like, whoa, my dad's gay, you know? Right. Girls, the TV show Girls. I think that's the only time that I, where it's good. I agree. Because it started as a joke. Because in the first season, there's an episode, right. in Andrew Reynolds' first episode, he's like, great to see you, your dad's gay. And then he leaves. And then three, four seasons later, Hannah's dad actually is gay and mm-hmm. comes out and leaves Hannah's mom. And there's, for the whole last two seasons, there's this extended plotline about him coming to New York to meet a man he's been talking to online and they fall in love and they live together. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the series, there are two couples that work out and they're one of them. I think the benefit the girls had is that it was a TV show so they have a little bit more time to show all the different sides of it because where like, he goes have... through his second childhood with Andrew Reynolds and they just kind of like run yeah. around and like do drugs and have fun and party and dance and stuff like that. And they also had time to respond to feedback. Yeah. And then you get to see him like start to date and then you get to see him like fall in love. You also get to see the other side of it where his ex-wife Becky Ann Baker is like my husband's gay and now I have to start over. Dad's coming out. It's always sad, you know? Yeah. I think it should be celebrated instead of like, ah, he came out. Now he's going to be alone forever. Yeah. The Really the only fun movie, like the, the only sort of rom-com I can think of about older queer people is Love is Strange. Oh. Which stars... Oh. Again, two old white men. Mm-hmm. I want to say John Lithgow. Yeah. And who's like... He's amazing in that movie. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything where he has been bad. Oh, honestly. absolutely. I've seen him in some bad stuff, but I've never seen him be bad. John Lithgow, friend of the podcast. One of the, the only, only good men. A few good men starring only John Lithgow. Starring John Lithgow, Harvey Firestein, Michael Yuri, <laughs> and uh, John Mulaney. Wow. It's John Lithgow and... Alfred Molina. Is it Alfred right. Molina? Yeah. Hey! And Marissa Tomei. Okay. <laughs> I forgot that she was in that movie. I'm leaving. I forgot she was in that movie, too. I can't stay. I have to leave. I'm going home. It's about these two older men who are looking for lower income housing and they end up moving in with friends until they find housing, but they move in with friends separately. And so they're constantly traveling back and forth, trying to live with each other. Marissa Tomei plays the woman who John Lithgow is staying with, I believe. He's like driving her nuts the whole time and it's like funny. It's a great little- She's driving me nuts. All right. Basically, it's a rom-com about two older gay men, Mm -hmm. but- the, the two main characters in it have been married for, like, 40 years. Yeah. It's not a late-in-life coming-out rom-com. Yeah. Listen, if you know of late-in-life coming-out rom-coms, we definitely want to watch them. Yeah. So tweet at us. Or you know what? Facebook message us at One More Thing Podcast. Yeah. Um, and tell us what movies we should be watching, because clearly there's either not enough content or we're just severely missing out. We're stupid. It's a great little movie. Everyone should watch it. Marissa Tomei, DM me. <laughs>
I'm just busy on my phone. Oh yeah, you are, Robert. What you're? You look like you're busy on your phone. <laughs> this is I am. I horrible am. improv exercise. <laughs> what are you doing over there on your phone, Robert? I'm actually trying to find us on Instagram. Well, I believe our username is one more thing with an A because I was taken. Oh my god, that's your name on Twitter too. What about on Facebook though? I posted a status about listening, and it's at one more thing podcast. Yeah, you too, listener can post about one more thing and bring your friends in. And if you really want, like, s- something extra special, we're still improving here, <laughs> you can go to tinyletter.com forward slash one more thing, and you'll get a newsletter from us every Wednesday written by my friend Robert here. Oh. I love this newsletter. I ser- Seriously, okay. I'll, I'll be, like, at work or something, and I'll get a notification, like, oh, newsletter time, gotta read it. Because I have no idea what you're gonna write. And it's always <laughs> full of, like, GIFs and, like, fun links. I love it. So for uh, a special surprise every Wednesday in your email, inbox tinyletter.com forward slash one more thing as has happened multiple times this season we are talking about something today that we don't have any experience with we believe in educating ourselves yeah that's been kind of our main goal since we conceived the podcast yeah is to learn we love to learn yeah so teachers (laughs) dm us so we thought that doing this episode would be wrong if we didn't bring in someone who is a member of the older lgbtq plus community yeah and so we had a brief conversation with Diane Foscante. Who is the grandmother of listener Jenna Rush. Hi, Jenna Rush. Thank you, Jenna Rush, for setting us up with your grandmother. Also, sorry if I pronounced her last name wrong. We did not ask her how to pronounce it. (laughs) But here's the conversation that we had with her. Hello? Hi, Diane. It's Jay and Robert. Okay. (laughs) I've been expecting it. So we were just wondering if you could share your story with us, because it's obviously something we don't have any experience with. Okay. Well, I came out very late. I was 52 years old when I came out because my children were grown and everybody was on their own and I just couldn't wait anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I finally did it. It's so crazy because, and I know this is going to really sound crazy, you know that TV show Xena had come out and I watched it and I was getting all these feelings. Now, mind you, for years I had feelings, but when I started watching that show, it really surfaced and I just couldn't put it back anymore. So I just had to, I had to have a life after that. Oh. And I came out and I started going to this place called The Loft. It was a place for uh, LGBT people. I, I told them the story and I said to them, my husband thinks this is a phase I'm going through. And they, at least one of the women there said, well, what's going to happen? When, when the TV goes off and he sees that you're still feeling that way. <laughs> and, <laughs> truly, you know, that's how it started. And it was very difficult, though, really very difficult because he took it very, very bad. And it was scary at times. I had tremendous guilt, but I stayed strong and I went for therapy and I, I just stuck it out and I managed to have a life. It took me a long time, but I finally did it. Although I wouldn't negate my life before because I did have two children 
husband, and uh, now I have two grandchildren. So I would never want to say I didn't want to have that. Who was the first person you came out to? Was it your husband? Hmm. You know, I'm trying to think now. Yeah, I think it was him because he wanted to know what was wrong. Because you know, slowly we started having problems, and and it's so funny because he said to me, "Do you like women?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's it." But I mean, I I even in high school and junior high school, I had all these feelings that I would just put aside because, well, the way I grew up, there was no such thing as being gay. Uh-huh. You just, you know, you grew up, got a job, got married, had kids, book done. So, the, you know, it was crazy. But yeah, he said to me, and I said I said to him, you know, I, I just feel that I have to have a life now. I, I can't go through the rest of my life without knowing what it's like to experience a relationship with a woman. Uh-huh. I just have to. And it took several months, but then I think it was in January of 19. 19- 98 I finally left wow. but it was very hard the most difficult thing I've ever done because of the guilt when I left I left I left him with everything because I was so guilty I was too ashamed to take anything with me <laughs> so I kind of just packed up my bags and left oh. but he did okay he met, he met somebody two months after He's been doing okay. Have you been dating? Well, here's the thing. That summer I met someone. (gasps) Well, you know, I did a little casual dating before. Uh Uh-huh. You know, uh, once, once I left. Actually, even a little before I left, I did a little, little, uh, let's call it research. So, (laughs) but then after I left, I had some casual dating. But then that summer, I met someone and one of my friends from the loft and one of her friends from the loft got us together. Oh, Oh. And I just felt so in love with this woman. We lived together for, well, we we were actually married in Provincetown (gasps) in 2000. Because you were, uh, it wasn't legal in New York yet. So we went to Massachusetts, and that was one of that was our favorite place to go because you could be yourself there. Mm-hmm. And we got married in Provincetown, two thousand eight. Oh. But uh, in two thousand ten, she got very ill. She got had a brain tumor, and uh, she passed away in two thousand thirteen. Oh. So now you know it's just me again. I did date somebody for a while, but I I think it was too soon after she passed away. She was a lot lovely woman, but I just miss Debbie too much. I just couldn't. It was just too soon for me. So, and right now I'm not seeing anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm 71 years old, but <laughs> I'll tell you, you still, you know, I still am ready to see somebody again. Hey. Although I, I would like to have, you know, a more of a companionship right now with, you know, the benefits. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know if I'd ever want to get married again or anything. That that I'm not sure. I mean, you know, that I don't know. But I do want to have fun. I don't want to stop seeing people and everything. So that's my story. Have you ever seen, like, a movie or a TV show or anything that sort of accurately represented your experience of coming out? Hmm. A TV show? No, I couldn't say any TV shows because they I don't know of any that have... Yeah, no, I... Oh, well... 
there, there have been movies. There was a movie with uh, Olympia Dukakis that was, because, you know, I came out older. Right. So, you know, t- to see uh, a person my age come out, it was, you know, unusual. So I really can't say that I have. You know, like when I first came out, a lesbian friend of mine used to lend me movies. So that's how I first saw Claire of the Moon, which oh. was really, really a popular movie. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, then I started exploring my own, you know, and I, I saw a perfect ending and oh, yeah. uh, that's after Debbie died. And I saw um, a few things. And it's amazing because Debbie died in July, and in October, my sister and I went to Provincetown because I wanted to spread some of her ashes up there, and I met so many gay people who I had always admired from, you know, stage and all, and they were all so friendly, and I... To this day, I think Debbie was up there pushing me in the right direction to meet all these people. We had the most wonderful time. And those comedians were, and, and singers and all, were more my age, but I really didn't have anything in common with them. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, except that we were gay. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did meet Chris Williamson when Debbie was still alive. Oh. And she's more my age. And she had just broken up with Trap Fury, so we had something in common that. Except that I'm the one who left the relationship. <laughs> but it was wonderful meeting somebody. It made me think I wish Brown went, you know, when we were all just to, to experience the gay life in those days, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I wish I could come up with something from TV besides Tina, which, of course, is, was a little fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it had a big impact, obviously, to women who weren't even gay, but it's, it's all I had at the time. So was Zeno yeah. your first, like, celebrity crush? Well, you you know, before I came out, I mean, I was in love with Elizabeth Taylor when I was young. Uh, I just adored her. So, you know, but like I said, the way I was raised, you didn't even think about being gay. But yet I knew I was, hmm. you know, but I never, I never acted on it. But, oh, my God, I loved her. And it's funny because whenever I would see a movie with, you know, it was all men and women, I would always would fall in love with the woman. Oh, yeah. But when I was young, she was my favorite. You know, things happen when they happen, and, you know, you just go with it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. I hope I contributed. You did. This was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It, you, you have a beautiful story. Okay. I'm glad to hear that then. Thank you for calling. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Jay. Yeah. I know that you went onto Netflix to go watch That's Not Us. That's right, I did. But Netflix has taken it off of its streaming service. Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, so we have been forced to choose a different movie that I'm sure will be great. It's called Me, Him, Her. You can find it on Netflix as well. Are you sure? Yeah, I looked. It's there. So watch it before the first episode of our movie club comes out on December 4th. Also the only episode of our movie club. Well, what if we want to do it again? All right, well, (laughs) sure, fine. (laughs) It has a lot of cool people in it, like Gina Davis, Amy from The Leftover, and it is about a gay couple and a lesbian couple. So watch it. Tell us what you think on social media. Ask us any questions that you want us to talk about. And we will see you on December 4th. Can't go one segment. <laughs>
without a soundboard. I love my soundboard. Every movie that we have talked about so far is like, my husband has come out as gay and now I am just a straight woman who's been dating a gay man her whole life. What do I do? And I've never seen a movie that's the other way around where it's like, my wife has come out as gay and now I'm just like a sad man. What do I do? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that on screen. Totally. And also I think there is sort of, I get frustrated with those movies because it's always like, I was married to a man. Now he is gay. Mm -hmm. And it's never, I was married to a man who is bisexual. Right. And it always sort of like now, you know, our 30 whatever years of marriage mean nothing now because my husband is gay. Mm -hmm. And I really liked what Diane said. I don't discount that time in my life that I was with a man because I, Mm -hmm. it was like part of my life. Yeah. When Diane was talking about that, I immediately started thinking about the monologue in San Junipero when she starts talking about if she wants to go to San Junipero or if she would like to be buried with her husband and her child. Cause she's like, no, do you know what? Instead of me telling you what happens, here's go a clip. Go watch San Junipero. <laughs> well, yeah, go watch San Junipero, but here's a clip of that monologue. Yeah. 49 years. I was with him for 49 years. You can't begin to imagine. You can't know. The bond, the commitment, the boredom, the yearning, the laughter, the love of it, the fucking love. You just cannot know. Everything we sacrificed, the years I gave him, the years he gave me. Did you think to ask? Did it occur to you to ask? We had a daughter. Allison. Always difficult, always beautiful. Died at 39 years old, bless her heart. And Richard and I, we felt that heartbreak as one. You think you're the only person ever suffered? Go fuck yourself. I didn't know. Didn't think to. What time is it? It, I, (laughs) I almost looked at my watch. (laughs) Even though I fully was about to ask you what time it is. But it's time for the game. What's our game this week, Robert? This game hurts. Do I you know. remember it? Oh, yeah. I have it written down right here. Well, why'd you ask? Oh, you asked for the listeners. I see. We're recording a podcast. Oh Don't be hostile to me. <laughs> if San Junipero were real, where would you go? So by now, everyone who listens to this podcast should have watched San Junipero. Yeah. But if you haven't, shame on you. And also, basically, the idea of San Junipero is that it is a place where elderly people, their souls basically go and they are young again. Yeah. And they can go anywhere. Well, you go to San Junipero, but... In a time. Yeah, you can pick um, a a generation, basically. Okay, so one, I think I would definitely go to San Junipero, and I did have a breakdown after we watched the episode that San Junipero is not a real thing. Yeah. And uh, I need scientists to figure this out pretty quickly. Scientists, DM us. I would probably end up not ever living in one time. I feel like I would be a lot like Gugu's character and jump around uh-huh. and experience all of time because I would want to say that I would go into the future and live in like a futuristic San Junipero so that I could always have that feeling of like still being alive and not dated. But at the same time, like I want to know what it was like going to a bar in the seventies. Right. 
So I feel like I would probably jump around. I was picking my answer last night in my bedroom. Okay. And I had a full-scale meltdown about it because I was like, my favorite decades in terms of art and culture are the 50s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. But wait a second. The only art that I like is protest art. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of San Junipero is that it's a utopia, so there would be no protest art. Right. So all of the things I like about those time periods wouldn't exist. I love Keith Haring. I love Barbara Kruger. I love art from the 80s. But in San Junipero, there is no AIDS. So there's no AIDS art. So there would be no none of the art that I liked. So I had a meltdown and I couldn't figure it out. And eventually what I decided was if San Junipero is a utopia, that art still exists. It's just free of meaning. I think that that's what it is. Because if art didn't exist, then the music of the 80s exactly. wouldn't have been used. Right. So I think art exists, but it's, but it's not... Just, it, it just exists as a memory. Yeah. And for nostalgia, as opposed to for an active purpose. Yeah. So I think I would go to the 80s or the 90s, actually. Okay. Because... I feel like then I wouldn't have to change my wardrobe at all. Like right now, what I'm wearing right now, I could wear easily in the 90s. Okay, two things about that. One, you're dead. And two, you design what you like want to look like because it's not real. Yeah. You would get to change your clothes to literally whatever you no, would want no, to wear. No, no, no. I don't mean that, I do, that I'm too lazy to change my clothes. I mean that I like the aesthetic of the way I dress. Gotcha. Oh my you god, don't no. want to lose Yeah, that. and I like I would fit in, and I could like wear my ideal outfits. Oh my god, no, I'm not saying like, man, I <laughs> want to so... change pants. No, I, <laughs> I would be dead. <laughs> There's that montage, There's a montage. in the episode yeah, where no, she's I like going through all the stuff. Well, that was fun. I, listen. We need better games. To everyone who listens to this podcast, if you have genuinely come this far and not seen season three, episode four of Black Mirror, truly unsubscribe to us. Because we're obviously not making an impact. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, don't unsubscribe, please. Please stay subscribed. Please keep listening. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. They say. That was they were that was very like film noir. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of uh, one more thing. Remember that time where we were doing season one and we didn't know how to talk? Yeah. So we were like, do we do like a like a softer review? Yeah. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Robert and me having a breakdown live on air. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to listen to us lose our minds. Thanks for tuning in to one more thing this week. As always, you can go follow Jay and I's personal social media. We've actually never plugged our personal I know, I know. Mine is Robert Eak, R-O-B-E-R-T-E-A-C-K at, uh, at on <laughs> I was like, is it at, at Instagram, Instagram or is it on Instagram? <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Hey Junt on Instagram and Twitter. That's my name with the initial switched. H-A-Y-E-J-U-N-T. Or per use, you can follow our podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well at One More more Thing. And you can also find us on Facebook. You know, we're trying to post a lot more on Facebook, so get at us. Subscribe to our newsletter, all that shit. Do whatever you want. We do. We have a newsletter that is, I think, very fun. It is fun. I love it. It comes out every Wednesday. You still have time to sign up for it right now before this week comes out. It's basically a rundown of everything that happens in the episode, as well as some extra tidbits and some fun YouTube videos and some great gifts. So you can go to tinyletter.com slash one more thing and sign up for that. 
There are also like news bulletins in it. It's we have a nice time. Yeah. So thank you to Megan Burnett, Dante Reed, 440 Studios for giving us space. Sarah Clayson, Stephanie Hawkins for the mic and the pictures. Our producer, Anna. And thank you to our our interviewee. Diane. Oh yeah, thank you, Diane. And thank you, of course, as always, more than anything, to our friends with benefits over on patreon.com slash one more thing. Who are single-handedly funding this whole season. Also, shout out to Jenna Rush for hooking us up with your grandmother. Yeah. Who is a great lady. Diane, if you're listening, we had a nice time talking to you. She's probably not listening. But... <laughs> so uh we'll see you next week. Yeah. Signing off from New York. <laughs> Don't forget to DM me. But I don't know, you know if she's who like else would be a good Xena Warrior Princess. Enough. Who? Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson would be. That's it. Confirmed that is my vote. Gay Xena Warrior Princess. Well, let's Tessa let's Thompson. try something, okay? Hey everyone, Tessa Thompson is actually confirmed playing Xena. Wait a second, I'm like the number one Tessa Thompson <laughs> news source. Guys, tweet it. Tessa Thompson is going to be Xena Warrior Princess. Yeah, get it trending, and then maybe it'll happen. Hashtag Tessa Warrior Princess. <gasps> Trend it. That's it. Also copyright it. One more thing.